0: Slept in hey we're not judging sometimes you just need to get a little more sleep
1: and if you do need to snooze we'd much rather you did that not in our pews on a sunday morning uh you can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the sunday morning sleep in podcast
0: you're still gonna miss out because you know coming to church is a lot of fun you mm-hmm. get to see people you know and love and who know and love you you get to meet new people And uh, you get to see adorable children, and sometimes you even have really good snacks after church. Sometimes. If we can't give you all of that, but we will give you what we can.
1: I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts. We are not homiletical harbingers of a brand new age. We're your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so that if you're away from home, or have to work, or
0: Maybe you're catching up with your Netflix, maybe just sleeping in. You can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church.
1: Every episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, we ask that you would receive it with an open mind and an open heart. A quick note, we expect
0: you to think for yourself. You don't have to agree with everything we say. In fact, we encourage you to question, to disagree and to figure out what you think. In the midst of all of that, we hope that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this.
1: So Susan, how many Christmas stories are there in the Bible?
0: Oh. Well, do you consider John an actual story? Well, you
1: you tell me what you think, your criteria, well, I how mean, many Christmas stories are there in the Bible?
0: I mean, what, what, oh. there's, there's the one with the, with with shepherds and without kings, and then there's the one without shepherds and with kings. Mm-hmm. So technically, what, three?
1: So are you counting John? I'm going to count John. All right. So there's three Christmas stories in the Bible. I'll go with that. Okay. I'll go with that. Uh, we're going to talk about the book that doesn't start with the baby in the manger.
0: Of course.
1: Or the, you know, Shep- gnosis of God right. showing up, the logos of God the in logos the world. showing up, yes. Uh, we're going about the book of Mark. So in the book of Mark, Christmas starts uh off camera if you Mm, will mm -hmm. it's off the page off scene it's a closed door scene and so uh what you start with is jesus and john the baptist as adults right and so it really starts with this wild man screaming in the universe right and out in the wilderness a crazy outfit yeah he's wearing weird outfit i mean he's
0: he's not he's not he's not even vegan he's like
1: something else he's eating locusts and honey he's probably levite is probably what he is which is kind of an extreme ascetic kind of priest, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. monk kind of thing uh, out in the wilderness. And uh, he was preaching and telling people to change their lives. And in the book of Mark, they connect him with the prophet Isaiah, which is the scripture that we read last Mm -hmm, week. mm -hmm. And Isaiah says, watch closely. I'm sending my preacher ahead of you. He will make the road smooth for you. Thunder in the desert. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. And so uh, these communities of Jesus followers after Jesus has died Mm -hmm. are saying that that passage of Isaiah is talking about John the Baptist Baptist. who got here to help people get in the right mindset Mm -hmm. to be able to pay attention when Jesus landed on the scene.
0: Right. So, so here we are, we we experienced both of these things. And so they let us connect them with what Isaiah
1: said. Yeah. So we think that this is how we're interpreting Isaiah. And so John shows up and he's telling people, Repent, which has sort of two different meanings we've talked about before. One means rethink, mm-hmm. so reconsider the decisions you're making. Mm-hmm. And one of them means come home, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of more the Hebrew yeah. meaning of the word, to come back to who you are, to come back to who God created you to be with the idea that you were created to be good and we think mm-hmm. that you're good. And if if you're out of line with who you think that is, then maybe just come home, you yeah. know, come back to who you are. And so uh, so those two ideas, but John's out in the, in the desert and people are responding to what he's doing. And the idea is that John lets them know over and over again. And one of my commentaries says, this is bad PR (laughs) for an executive starting a religious movement. This is bad PR to say, I'm not the real deal. I'm not the real deal. (laughs) The real deal's about to get here. I'm just getting the the way ready for the real deal. Mm -hmm. But what's funny to me is that when you follow the story of this tradition of faith Mm -hmm. that has morphed and split and gone in many different directions, you find that Along the way, there's a lot of people who are, who are the thing that the person ahead of them was talking about, Mm -hmm. who still say, but wait, there's something else coming. Mm. But wait, there's something else coming. coming. And so there's Isaiah who says, but wait, there's something else coming. coming. And then there's John who says, but wait, there's something else coming. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus comes along and says, but wait, I'm going to send my advocate to you and there's something else coming. And so there's, they're always pointing ahead to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And nobody is really willing to say, by the way, I'm the real deal. Right right. Right. I'm I'm the and, thing and you in have to And In fact in our for.
0: in our in our modern skepticism, if somebody said to me I'm the real deal, I'd be like, Uh-huh. uh-huh. Sure. Uh-huh.
1: Right. Well, right. I mean, there is a guy who claims to be Jesus Christ who's living in Florida right now, but there's a lot of strange things happening in Florida, Florida. so we tend to dismiss him. Yeah. In any case. Uh, Mark starts out with this wild man in the desert, and this is the comfortable Christmas story. Before you get to the manger in Mark, you have to wrestle with the wild man in the desert. Yeah. And so this for me is sort of a continuing theme from last week around God's miracles. So like we sort of think of the incarnation, God mm-hmm. showing up in the world mm-hmm. uh, as a miracle, that like God's miracles are never as important as God's covenant.
0: Covenant, right. Because
1: this promise that God has of sort of being our coach and our mentor and helping us to be the people that we ask God to make us be, uh, that, that this idea is, is what shapes us a lot more than, right. then, uh, you know, then parting the, of a Red Sea well, or... And, Stones turning to bread or anything no, else.
0: Stones turning to bread or a baby actually in the manger.
1: Or a baby in the manger, right. And so John is once again saying, come back home to who you are supposed to be. Come back home to this covenant idea. Uh, and Jesus comes along and continues to to get people into that frame of mind and mm-hmm. into the, those habits. But the thing that Isaiah prophesies is going to happen is that he says, prepare for God's arrival. Make the road smooth and straight. And prepare is a very future, mm-hmm. uh, futuristic word. Okay, Something else is going to happen later. Right. But make the road straight is a present tense verb.
0: Mm-hmm. So this is the, the work before you is to make the road straight.
1: You have to start now in order for the next thing to happen. Right. So he's saying start now. Uh, he is preparing the way. And so for Advent, uh, we talk a lot about preparation, preparing, anticipating. Right. But preparing now the way, making those connections that we're righteousness and peace kiss as yeah. you said in your last podcast right creating those spaces so that something else can happen right. later as well so that's what we're in the middle of in advent and uh, I was struck by this there's an Abe Lincoln quote and he <laughs> says is it a
0: real Abe Lincoln quote
1: it's a real Abe Lincoln quote yeah. I know uh probably is my fa- my new favorite thing to do is to impose quotes from random people on top of sepia images of historical figures and then attribute it to the historical figure, comma, probably. <laughs> Albert <laughs> yeah. Einstein probably said this. He didn't. But right. but it's more funny to think of it that way. Anyway, this is a real Abe Lincoln quote. And the real Abe Lincoln quote is, if you give me six hours to cut down a tree, mm-hmm. I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. Right. And I think that's just beautiful. You know, right. like,
0: right. Why,
1: <laughs> why spend that much time hacking away with the dull axe if you could prepare and make it faster?
0: Right. And I think this is one of the things that is most easily missed in discipleship for us because we have this immediate gratification culture mm. that says, and and there's a there's actually a notion if of I theology do. of ideology that like we pray for it, it happens, or we you know we do our thing and then it happens you know like there's a cause and effect
1: mm, and it's trackable
0: and it's trackable and immediate and immediate and that's not how God's time or planning or vision works <laughs> it's
1: Like get ready get ready get, get ready, ready get, get ready, ready and get when ready. you least expect, expect it. it gosh when you least expect it my dad and i used to say that to each other all the time when i was a little kid i would forget and like flush the toilet when he was in the shower which uh-huh. in our home at the time would mean that the shower would become scalding yep. hot, hot or freezing cold. cold or something but it would it would it, it was not good not good for pop and so he would he would scream and we'd hear him in the back room screaming and we'd go oh and then he'd come out and you know he'd He either his hair would still be wet and his mustache would be dripping, and he would look at us and he would say, "Who was it?" (laughs) And we would sheepishly admit to who it was, and he would say, "When you least expect it, like he's coming for you when you least expect it." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Not that God is threatening us, but
0: no, but in that that notion of that we and it comes back to our control, right? Like that we think we have it all figured out,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and we can we can predict what God is about and how God's going to work and that that God's going to do it in our.
1: Now I'm thinking about that toilet flushing story and I'm like, no, that's exactly right though, because whatever you're doing is preparing for something. Mm -hmm. You are setting up the system that's going to work the way the system was designed to work. And so if you're working in a way that's thoughtless and causes harm, Mm -hmm. then what will probably happen is retribution, not necessarily from God, but certainly from uh, the people Mm -hmm. around you. And so if you are doing things that are loving and kind and thoughtful, you are creating the space for something better to be built Yes. than, you know, retribution yeah, and constant anxiety and fear. In any case, none of that was in the sermon on Sunday. <laughs> um, I um, talked a little bit about one of the building projects here in town that's been uh, a huge pain in oh the neck man. for everybody who's lived here. They've had this huge uh, road expansion project, yeah, and it's yeah. taken it – there was 18 months of construction. Now it's mostly done.
0: Actually, they sent out the cards telling us they're done.
1: They're done done.
0: Yeah, my mom got a card that said the, they're they're – that they finished two weeks early or something.
1: Okay, well the cones are still out, so they should probably take those down. But <laughs> I,
0: I think there's other little things that they're doing, and yeah. but it's but the big the big
1: construction, the big project stuff. was done. So, yeah, so we spent eighteen and I'm months. I'm very familiar
0: with this because it's between me and my mom.
1: It's between you and your mom, so you do it all the time. This, this huge construction, about eighteen months of construction, and everybody kind of rolls their eyes and goes, ah, you mm-hmm. know, going out that road. Um, and I said, well, before they did that, they had to use i domain and take over some land on either side of the road to mm-hmm. make it, to make it wider. And that takes at least a year. Mm-hmm. And before that they had to do all of the meetings, the open public hearings, mm-hmm. and they had to advertise those before they could have them. And mm-hmm. so that's another six months or a year. And then somebody had to go, oh my gosh, the population out North is really growing a lot. We should probably have broader roads because if there's a fire, there's no way out right. and everybody will be stuck in traffic and, and that will be a tragedy. So, 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 Probably 10 or 15 years ago, somebody said, you know, we should expand this road. Yeah. And it took that long
0: to -hmm. do 18
1: months of work. Right. Which has made, would you say, a significant impact, Susan, on your commute to your mother's?
0: No. (laughs) No. <laughs> because I think because because 15 years ago I don't think they realized exactly how, exactly how gonna much growth they were going to have. So yeah, because because even the facility my mom lives in wasn't there 15 years ago.
1: Right, exactly, and so, so. it continues to grow, but it it has gotten a little better. Instead it definitely of, is a little better. Instead of an hour to get from the freeway out to Spanish Springs, it maybe takes 15 minutes instead.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, especially like like there was an accident the other day, and mm-hmm. you begin to realize just how many people travel that road. Yeah. And how quickly they
1: travel that road and how
0: quickly they travel that road and how easily it is to back up a long ways. So
1: So it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of preparation to make a little impact sometimes. And so uh, as Christians, as people of faith, our goal is to long for the impact enough that, there were, that we're willing to do the preparation mm-hmm. uh, to keep our eyes kind of focused far enough out that we're willing to do the work that we need to do. And so uh, I talked about what are the ways that we prepare, and I, ta- I gave three examples. Okay. Uh, personally, and then sort of on a local regional level, and then on a national level, what are the ways that we prepare mm-hmm. that we make righteousness and peace kiss, kiss. so to speak, okay. so that there is room for God to work. And so on a personal level, I was sharing about the Rethink Church Mm. Advent photo a day series. Uh huh. Um, again, trying to train my people on this because next year's our 150th, and we're going okay. to be trying this out with them people to do this um, mm-hmm. then as well. But the the Advent photo a day thing is every day there's a word assigned, and you know what the words are ahead of time, and so you look at the word, and then as you go about your day, you try to pay attention to where you see something in your life that resonates mm-hmm. for you with that word. You don't have to explain it. No, but you just take a Doesn't picture need of it an essay, and you post it. Mm-hmm. And you add this hashtag and then you can see what everybody else is posting. And so if the word is say as it is today, prepare, Uh huh. you post your prepare. image of what prepare is. And maybe, that's, maybe you're at work and you're preparing a presentation or maybe you're at home and you're preparing dinner or maybe you are decorating your Christmas tree to prepare for the holidays or whatever. whatever. Like you are preparing for something. Mm-hmm. Where does prepare show up in your life today? And then you get to see where everybody else is preparing um, or what that word means for them. And so that's kind of fun. But what it does is it trains you to pay attention. hmm And what you find is if you do this project and you get to the end of the day and you realize I wasn't paying attention today, Mm -hmm. and then you try and look back over the day and you go, where did I see prepare? All of a sudden it becomes this huge, stressful, awful, like, what can I take, you know, like half-assed thing Mm -hmm. that you're trying to do to keep up when really, if you had been paying attention all day, it would have come to you at some point, something would have resonated with you around that word. And I said, it's the same with sermons. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends. We have a lot of friends. Yeah. Who write their sermons on Saturday nights and spend most of their writing time, like a lot of authors, complaining about not being able to write on social media. And it's like, well, if you wait till Saturday night, (laughs) it's going to be really hard to go, where did I see God moving this week? Whereas, Whereas, what Susan and I tend to do is we read everything on Monday. And then we just kind of keep our eyes open. We have to sit down and write everything on Monday, but we just kind of keep our eyes open. And then things happen during the week that show you, or that are natural connections and are relevant to people because it's something they've just experienced or are experiencing uh, that pops up. And so, so personally, one way that we prepare to notice God is we just do a little prep work. Yeah. Just do a little prep work at the beginning and then just make it the practice that you're paying attention as Mm -hmm. the day goes on. Yeah. So that's personally, people are preparing, um, for God to show up and we have to train ourselves a little bit to do that.
0: Yeah.
1: On a regional level, um, we started the overflow to the overflow shelter. Yes. So in Reno, there's this crazy law that they passed. It was a settlement with the casinos, actually, where they can only have one homeless shelter in the city of Reno.
0: Oh, really? I didn't realize that was at the root of this.
1: Yeah. And so what had happened before was that there were a number of homeless shelters spread all across the renovation district. And part of the deal was that the city of Reno couldn't build the skywalks because they didn't own the airspace or the streets. Mm. And so in order to to be able to own this the airspace and the streets, the casino said you can only have one homeless shelter. You have to have all the services concentrated in one area. And so okay, they do, and it's on Record Street. But now Record Street is across from this part of the redevelopment area that has, has grown, has spread. And so Record Street, where all the homeless services are, is across the street from one of the more expensive restaurants in town, mm-hmm. uh, which is... Quite tasty, actually. Yeah, so, uh, it's a delicious restaurant. It's a delicious restaurant. So they're facing these problems, and I don't think that they were prepared to think about what were the long-term effects of a city that's growing, industry that's growing on the housing market.
0: Right, and only one place.
1: We were working in the homeless shelter on Friday night. We took the first shift. The first opening shift yep. was for Reno first, yay.
0: Right, of the overflow
1: overflow that is in a tent. It's in a tent. It's in a heated tent on the back of the property. It was actually, like, it was very... Um, comfortable? Was, huh? Comfortable? temperature I, uh, They wise? were saying it's more comfortable than the overflow shelter. So then we temperature-wise. A, a shelter, we have an overflow shelter, and now the tent, and they were saying it's more comfortable than the overflow yeah, shelter. Yeah, uh, Temperature-wise, it's less drafty. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing more things to make it uh, even more comfortable. Uh, but working out there was, was fine. It wasn't mm-hmm. yeah. you know, taxing uh, in any way. But it was because everybody had done all this preparation. So they'd done the... Gathering the volunteers, deciding what training needed to happen, training the volunteers. Mm-hmm. They had figured out the tent. They'd figured out things I hadn't even think, thought about in the tent, despite being raised by a, a See, dad who's most Mr. Mr. Prepared, Mr. Prepared, Mr. Logistics, carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. Uh yes, those um, were not
0: in when we went on the tour on Thursday. They were not
1: in on Thursday, but they were there on Friday, Friday night, and in fact, they had gone off during the day. And so Friday, when they were setting up the propane system for the heaters, oh wow. One of the heaters had sprung a, link, a leak and one of the alarms went off and they emptied the tent and they opened it up and they aired it out and they had to replace the whole propane system. Wow. And they couldn't have done that if they hadn't done the preparation ahead of time and run a right. test run to right? make sure. That could have been tragic. Hey, the yes. first night the overflow shelter's open, we had 40 people fall asleep and never wake up. Like mm. that would have been awful. So uh, so they'd done all this preparation and the, the staff people, the Volunteers of America staff people, the City of Reno staff people, mm-hmm. they had all done such excellent work. That it was, as I said, not taxing as a volunteer to go in right. and to do the, just the overnight shift, which would have been too much to ask of people who had already worked a 10 or 12 hour day to stick right. around for another eight or 10 hours. But for volunteers to just come in for eight hours or 10 hours and, mm-hmm. and hang out like that, we can do that part because that. everybody else has done all this prep work. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of ways to, to help out with that project. And I said, if you are looking to prepare a place for people to not freeze to death, literally to care for the people who are among us. That there's ways that you can do that right here, and I guarantee you that you will meet people who will make you smile and who will yeah. challenge you and who will help you grow yeah. uh, while you're doing the work. And so, um, so I said personally, there's you know paying attention regionally, there's pitching in, mm-hmm. and then on a uh, on a grander level than that, there's the idea that as Methodists we're not just called to do direct aid, mm-hmm. to do services like right here are some mittens. But also to ask the question, why are there people who have to sleep outside and need mittens? Right. And so we don't just do community service and acts of of compassion and mercy. We also do advocacy Mm -hmm. and changing the laws and the way that we're built as a society as much as we can to try and alleviate the pressure that people feel that put them in these situations in the first place. Uh, One of our friends will say, uh, charity is colonial. Yeah, this is true. Charity is colonial. You make mm-hmm. a system where it's impossible for people to succeed, and then you feel better by giving them a bowl of soup. Right. And that makes it about you and not about what's fair. Right. And so what's fair is giving them the opportunity to earn so they can get their own soup. So, so asking those questions. And um, one of the things that's been in the news recently in Nevada is, of course, the opioid crisis hit mm-hmm. here. Just like everywhere else, we already have a pretty high rate of death through um, meth overdoses. Yep. And so the opioid crisis being easier and easier to obtain obtain opioids has, of course, risen that statistic in concerning ways. Mm -hmm. The state of Nevada, like many states in the union, have had trouble uh, if they are places where capital punishment is allowed. It's still a state choice Mm -hmm. if capital punishment is allowed um, because they haven't been able to purchase the drugs that they use in lethal injection. Oh, and that's for a number of reasons, Uh, mostly concerned citizens with strong moral compasses calling pharmaceutical companies and saying, why are you selling drugs that kill people and (laughs) pharmaceutical companies saying we're not going to sell those to states anymore. Yeah. And so in California, it was doctors standing up and saying, "Uh, I refuse to abandon my Hippocratic oath oath. by causing harm, by killing, by administering these drugs to people. Mm So a lot of these different states have found uh, kind of like little loopholes to get out of doing the death penalty. Right. And as United Methodists, we believe that the death penalty is sinful. Yep. Uh, we believe it denies the power of Christ to redeem and restore and transform community. Killing people to prove that killing people is bad is kind of weird sick irony, uh, and that y- you can't take away the possibility that the person can grow. Wow. That you are you are denying them the possibility that they can mature and yep. figure out that. You know, repentance thing, and,
0: and 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 we're also saying that we ha- we are the ultimate deciders of whether somebody can exactly is, like, right, and that's not our work; that's God's
1: work. I don't want the country to be in a place of judgment. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want my country to kill people. I don't want my state to kill people. Uh, I think it's wrong for all kinds of reasons. And if you don't believe in any of the reasons we're giving you, it's also more expensive than keeping people in prison <laughs> exactly. for life, and has no proven impact on lowering crime. Right. So,
0: actually, what lowers crime? is education like and edu- jobs ed- education and jobs what <laughs> a education crazy and jobs idea
1: is lower, lower crime so i was talking about this the opioid crisis being so tragic mm-hmm. and then the death penalty in Nevada having been suspended because they couldn't get their hands on drugs well what they've decided in Nevada and Nebraska is that they will start using fentanyl to execute prisoners
0: mm.
1: fentanyl being the primary opioid that is causing the opioid crisis it's not tested and researchers refuse to test it for this purpose In another attempt to try and make it not happen.
0: Right. So we don't even know if it's actually like humane.
1: We don't know. We don't know that it's humane and we would never know that it's humane because the way that they want to test it is on humans. Right. Having given them other drugs that paralyze their hearts and paralyze their muscles. So they couldn't react if they wanted to. Right. So you wouldn't be able to sense if they were experiencing pain or not. It's all kinds of gross. Yeah. It's all kinds of evil and it's all kinds of damaging and painful. Uh, it's flushing the toilet on purpose when somebody's in the shower. Yep. I don't claim to understand what victims of intense violence have experienced, their loss, their grief, their anger. I don't I don't pretend to know the depths of that, no. but there's a reason why we don't let victims choose the punishment. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why we stand between them and doing that kind of damage to their own souls. Right. And so I think that it's important for us as people to stand up and say, no, this is wrong. And I said, I know I've been asking you guys to call your senators about health care. I know I asked you to call your senators about the, the tax reform bill. Mm-hmm. And this week, I'm going to ask you to call your state senators and state legislators about this fentanyl death penalty, the uh, capital punishment technique, because I think it's just absolutely disgusting. It's not mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not who we are as people. I think if we're serious about preparing the way for God to move, then that means not taking away people's opportunity yeah. to be transformed. Yeah. Even if... What they have done we find absolutely repulsive
0: right
1: so our job is to do no harm (laughs) to do no harm to remove people from doing harm to others but not necessarily to do that by doing harm to them yeah so there it is their personal level regional level and on a grander level how are how are the ways that we are preparing space for god to move for god to show up in the future and now yeah what are the things that we're doing and so uh, those are the things that we talked about on sunday And the cover quote on the bulletin was from uh, Meister Eckhart. Uh He says, God does not work in all hearts alike, but according to the preparation and sensitivity God finds in each. Mm. And that may part of our preparation be developing sensitivity to where God's heart is. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you have any questions for us or stories that relate to the topics we've been discussing today, shoot us an email at in at gmail.com. If you want to check out some of the links, visit us at sundaymorningsleepin.com or on Facebook at Sunday Morning Sleep In. The scripture for today's passage is Mark 1, 1 through 8, and the music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer.
1: the end of a service and at the end of a podcast, we have taken to giving a blessing uh, some wise words as you go on your way, maybe something that will help make you more sensitive uh, to where God is moving in the world. This week, I would invite you to sharpen your axe. In fact, the sermon title was Love Sharpens the Axe, which sounds a little bit serial killery, but what it means is may you do the prep work uh, in your own heart, in your family, in your neighborhood, uh, and in your community on a larger scale. May you not be afraid to do the prep work, and may you love every person you meet Even the ones you might not think deserve it, because God thinks they do. Maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving. Amen? Amen.